Welcome to the Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as we are gearing up. This is uh, NBA Eve, I I would guess. Uh, Season is starting tomorrow, Tuesday. Going to have a great time breaking all of that down. Uh, The Nuggets kick off their season on Wednesday against the Sacramento Kings. I will be in attendance at that game, which is pretty cool. Uh, They're going to only a select number of media are, are getting to go and, and they're, they're doing some restrictions on everything, but uh, I'm going to represent Denver Stiffs on that day. So uh, to help me break down NBA win predictions for the season, I have brought on Denver Stiffs writer and our, our resident draft expert, Daniel Lewis, onto the scene. Daniel, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been fun. Been fun doing this. Uh, we do this every year, usually in, in uh, written form, uh, changing it to the podcast medium. It's a little bit easier to uh, to get that content out there. Just talking about it over over this medium. We've 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 uh, both put together our predictions, our projections for the season. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We, we, we enjoy doing this every year, right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, normally it's our Pixapalooza, I think is what we call it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can do it on a podcast this year. It's fine. It's uh, it's been super busy, and and with everything being as condensed as it is, I'm I'm glad that we can we can just get to it. Uh, everything's moved so fast, so I'm 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 glad no, that we're able to get to it here. Um, what are you saying? Normally, normally you and I pick the outcome of every single game and talk yeah. about, and we're able to compare about it, but we don't even have the full schedule yet. <laughs> Uh, exactly. And that's, that's extremely important in, in discussions like this. I didn't even pull up the schedule when I was doing this, this time around it's, it's been like COVID is just going to screw with everything. So I'm, I'm just going to go off of my gut. That's kind of how I did this. I pulled up the over-unders for, uh, for other things and, and thought that that would be helpful within the scope of this discussion. But, uh, other than that, it's just off the old dome. Um, how do, how do you how did you approach this uh, this year? Given that we have so little information to deal with, yeah, I just went off of my uh, ever increasingly or ever increasing gut. So just <laughs> going off of feelings and kind of looking at team breakdowns and thinking, okay, how is COVID going to affect this team? Uh, you know, how are they? Is this team capable of going on a hot streak? And then in my picks accordingly. I kind of find that that that's the best way to go about these things. Uh, you would think that in a in a season that is so affected by everything, uh, shortened off season, uh, there, there's going to have rest. We're going to have COVID stuff. Uh, lots of teams are in different positions than they were. Uh, some teams are rising. Some teams are falling. Uh, there have been various trades that have happened. Usually it would be good to zero in on some of those teams. But in this case, I kind of think it's it's more important to take a step back and just look at their roster, understand what they have, what they don't have, and then and then just take a take a gut pick from there and and see how you do. Um, I, I think that's going to be more valuable. So, uh, would you want? We're going to do the Western Conference. Uh, I know people will want to hear about the Eastern Conference. Dan and I have picked uh, win totals for every team, but in order for for time purposes, we're only going to do the West uh, or these first two segments, and then in the third segment, we're going to. Uh, talk more generally about the Nuggets. I'll ask him some questions that we're answering in the uh, in the old Nuggets preview that's coming out on Wednesday with our entire staff. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, Dan, do you want to break this down by uh, 
by going in kind of standings order or alphabetical order or, or how do you want to approach this? Let's go 15 to one. Okay. Uh, in terms of like, like just I'll ask you what your 15 is and then we kind of talk about it from there. Yeah. And cool. We, let's, we can kind of do, let's do like groups of three to kind of, we'll probably talk about the same groups of teams. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, well, before we even kick that off, I, I have 560 wins and 520 losses for the West as a whole, which means I have 40 more for the West than I do the East, which is possible. You can get that total, but it's just, it's so drastically like favors the Western conference in terms of the quality of teams. Did you find that when you're doing this, that you picked more wins for the West or the East? So you got 533 for the East and um, 547 for the West. So just a bit more yeah. for the Western conference, but not as much of a difference as you did. Yeah. I, I went back and looked at it last year and some of this was affected by the bubble. Some of this was affected more West teams were able to accumulate wins in the bubble because there were more teams. But last year there was a 45 win margin between the West and the East. And so I, I kind of oh. thought, okay, uh, if, if there is going to be such a drastic win total difference between between those conferences, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I projected that uh, within my projections this year. Uh, but the, the East has definitely gotten stronger than they were. Uh, like the Nets are, are much better. Uh, the Sixers, I think, are going to be more competent this year. Uh, the Wizards traded for Russell Westbrook when last year they didn't have a guy like that. The Hawks signed a bunch of people. So it's a little bit closer than it was, but I still think the West is better. Yeah, I'd agree. I, th I mean, you have the defending champs in the, in the West, and that makes a huge difference. And then um, I think the like two through seven is just much stronger out right. West. It's just it 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 feels like it's night and day. Um, I but then again, like you know, you never know how some of these things are going to uh, to impact it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Okay, I will. I want to start with the. Let's go with the teams that are outside of the play-in uh, to start this. Uh, actually, no, no. We'll start. We'll start with 15, 14, and thirteen for you. Okay. So fifteen for me, Oklahoma City Thunder. Fourteen, Minnesota Timberwolves, and thirteen, Sacramento Kings. Okay. I'm a little bit higher on the Timberwolves than than a lot of other people. I have them projected for thirty-two wins which is at a 36 win pace this year. I think that they're going to make trades to try to win as much as possible. And even though the roster doesn't necessarily make sense right now, like I, I think that they have enough competent pieces that they'll figure it out. Uh, but I do have the thunder at 15 and the Kings at 14. Like I think we're, we're in lockstep there. Uh, what about the thunder and the Kings? Uh, do you think is dragging them down to the bottom? Well, the Thunder, it's just a lack of like veteran talent. Um, they have so many young players, and they right. they have one old Al Horford. Um, but it just, I think it's going to be really difficult for them with a new coach to to win a lot of games. They're going to be struggling to figure out who their rotation is all season. I think just because of um, injuries and hot streaks, cool streaks. They have some good players. I think Darius Baisley is going to have a good season for them, um, but they they're really going to be in a situation where they should be trying to see what their young guys have 
and get them experience in, in games. So I don't think that they're as concerned about wins and losses um, as they were last season. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, given how many trades that they made, like Chris Paul is gone. Dennis Schroeder has gone. Steven Adams is gone. Daniel Gallinari has gone, although he walked. Uh, they they flipped Danny Green for Al Horford. Like they've, they've done so many things uh, that it just feels like they are gearing up for the tank and trying to get a high draft pick that they compare with Shea Gilgis Alexander. And I just don't trust that Al Horford will even be there by the end of the season or like, they've got Ariza, they've got a uh, George Hill, but like those guys are going to get moved. Like there's, there's no way in my opinion that they stay the entire length of the season in OKC, or at least I would be very surprised. I, I think they'll keep Horford for several years. He's just such a great pro. And um, I think he's just a, a really great fit for a really young team. Who's trying yeah. to figure their their selves out, um, and they need his salary on the books to help <laughs> hit the floor. So I, <laughs> I can see them keeping him for a long time. True, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, hey, it makes sense. Uh, the Kings are right there too. Uh, they lost Bogdan Bogdanovich at the beginning of this this offseason period. Uh, they have Buddy Heald. They have De'Aaron Fox. Not in that order. De'Aaron Fox just signed a max extension. Uh, Marvin Bagley is still kind of in the background there, but Nemanja Bielitsa, uh, Rashawn Holmes, and I think Harrison Barnes make up the front court of that roster. And like, it's just so unremarkable, despite the fact that each of those players can be like good pieces. I just don't see this as a cohesive product at all. No, they're a bad team. They don't have great depth. They have a bad coach. Um, and the pieces that they do have just don't fit together. I think if if they're going to try to contend for a playoff spot, uh, Marvin Bagley needs to have a, a huge season, and yeah. I don't think he's capable of that, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, is he a four or a five in your eyes? Uh, I think he's a four, but similar to like Carl Anthony Towns being a, a power forward, um, just yeah. because you can't rely on him to be a good defensive center. And yeah. Even though he's tall, they they, just, they have no idea what to do and where to be. So I, I think they're more power forwards than they are fives. Yeah, interesting. Like I, I think that you're probably right in terms of just trying to maximize the defensive ability. But if you're trying to maximize the spacing on the court, then he, he seems like that that classic rim rolling playmaking five who who you put in the middle of the pick and roll. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. And and to me, it doesn't seem like they have a great plan. Uh, I mean, would you rather have Marvin Bagley or John Collins? Oh, God. It's like, <laughs> I think John Collins at least has shown that he can be productive. Uh, I still need to see it for Marvin Bagley after the injuries that he sustained. Uh, what about you? Uh, I, I mean, I think the choice is Bagley, but Collins is has shot pretty well from three point range and at least, you know, you're going to get pretty good interior scoring, but I mean, if Bagley hits his ceiling, he's going to be like a really dominant rebounder and a really dominant interior scorer. So, um, yeah, that that's really, really valuable. Um, something that Collins hasn't shown he can do, but I mean, right now you'd be, you, it's not crazy to take Collins actual, like, you know, it's his production is going to be over, Bagley's, you know, mystery box. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
next up for 13, I have the Spurs. Uh, I have them at 30 wins. I have the Grizzlies at 32 wins, and I have the Wolves at 32 wins. Those are kind of all teams in the same tier for me. I got talked into moving the Spurs up, but I also moved the Wolves up because I think that they're, they have enough talent in order to make things interesting. Um, any, any team in that tier that really stands out to you? See, I had the Spurs with 28 wins. <laughs> yeah. And 12th best. So pretty close. Pretty close. Um, I had Spurs at 12. Um, hold on. And then I had a, a tie. So each with 35 wins, the Pelicans and the Rockets. Okay. Yeah. I have the Pelicans with 35 wins too. I have the Rockets with 36 wins. Um, so we're, we're pretty much in lockstep there. The only, the only team that I really have different than you at this point is the, uh, actually, wait, you haven't said the Grizzlies yet. Have you? No, I have them at ninth with 36 wins. (laughs) Okay. So So like like, one game better. Yeah. It's there's, there's that, mix of teams that are all pretty interesting that are all kind of that that are fun that that like like the grizzlies with john morant is fun uh but they don't have jaron jackson for the start of the season and and he still has to show some stuff uh the spurs they have uh demar Derozan and lamarcus aldridge who are kind of locking them into last yesteryear but they also have Derek white and lonnie walker and dejounte murray like they just extended Derek white and gave him four years 73 million so like they trust oh him gosh. to be pretty good. That's a, that's a lot of yeah. money, right? Yeah. I mean, 28 wins is probably too low, but I mean, I could move them all the way up to like 34 wins and they'd still be on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I have my, my 10 seed, which is the last of the play-in uh, at 35 wins. So even if they moved up to 34, they'd still be on the outside. So I'm, I'm I'm a little bit worried about this team because it just feels like they have a lot of pieces, but not a lot of like places, um, not a lot of like guys that you really trust to be the fulcrum of an offense or a defense. Um, and right, I mean, like, I, like you put in Lamarcus Aldridge and Demar Derozan, and you're like, okay, I know how these guys are going to score. Like I know that this five man unit, they're going to get points by going through those two guys. But if they're on the court, it's like, okay, well, now I'm worried about the defense. But if I take them off for like Jakob Pertl and, you know, like Lonnie Walker or something, it's like, okay, my defense is set, but now how do I score? Right. So it's like, yeah, they, they just, it just doesn't seem like going to be able, they're going to be able to keep up with teams each night. I don't really get it. Um, I, I, I hope that they make some moves because it just feels like they're in lockstep with, with everything that they've done and, and nothing really makes sense. So uh, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what they ultimately decide to do. Um, Okay. So I had the, I had the wolves at 11, the Grizzlies at 12, the Spurs at 13, the Kings at 14 and the thunder at 15 Uh, run through your 11 through 15 again. So uh, again, I had, the Pelicans and the Rockets tied at 10. So that's my, okay. You know, 10, 11 um, Spurs at 12 uh, Kings at 13 Timberwolves at 14 and Thunder at 15. Um, okay. I, I do want to just talk for a minute on the Timberwolves. At 14. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, they seem they're like a worse version of the Spurs and that they don't really have the veterans on their team to, to help them win. Um, right. And I'm still not sure, like, if Carl Anthony Towns can help 
lead a team to play 500 basketball. Um, I I do think that there's going to be a lot of nights where they're just their offense is really clicking for their starters, and then the bench comes in and it's just is a, a disaster. <laughs> and, yeah, and they give them much- a huge lead. And you're like, what is like none of these pieces are working? And then they put like Malik Beasley back in and like, hey, we need points. And he starts chucking. And it's just like, okay. And then you get Russell in and the off they're just out of a rhythm. The ball's not popping. And you know, Juancho's getting blown by Jared Culver's turning the ball over. And next thing you know, they're just like down by 25 points. Like yeah, it does seem like they they have some questions to answer. Uh, they have a lot of guards who I think are capable. Uh, Ricky Rubio is somebody who they added that that I think kind of goes under the radar a little bit just because he's he's been a solid point guard for most of his career, but never a remarkable one. Uh, he will be a backup behind D'Angelo Russell. They're going to start Russell, Beasley, if he's not in jail, uh, Okogi, I think Jake Lehman and and Carl Towns. Uh, I'm confused about their power forward position. They don't really have a small forward either. Uh, it's it's a it's an all offense no defense kind of situation. Can they be a top five offense? Probably not. Can they be a top ten offense? Like if you have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, I feel like you should be uh, given the spacing that they have with with Beasley out there, but. I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch them. I I think that they are going to make a trade. They're probably going to continue to add talent uh, and and sacrifice their future because if they don't, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is out of there. So well, like you're, they're also they're also in this. They're a a great example of why tanking in the NBA is is actually can be dangerous because if you're not adding good players to like help supplement your younger stars. You're going to be spending a ton of money on a young team that doesn't know how to win. So, right. like they're they're paying D'Angelo Russell a ton of money, Beasley a ton of money, Towns on a max deal. But like this team doesn't know how to win games, right? So they they're spending all this money and they're not even like they're getting worse, right? And so yeah, you, then you start you're like okay, now you just had the number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards how are you incorporating him into this team where you have your two max stars who kind of want to win now? So they're in a really difficult position because, because they've been so bad for so long, they they don't want to lose towns, but like they don't have anybody on the team that really knows how to win. So just, just a word of caution for Nuggets fans who were like, well, things go this way and this way. Like we should just tank and, and burn it all down. Like, it's fine for like a season or two, but like eventually you have to start, you know, signing guys like Paul Millsap and Will Barton and Gary Harris so that you can win games. Right. Yeah. Like, like winning games is important when you establish a culture. It's definitely not a, it's, it's, it's a problem if you have guys that are actively trying to lose for most of the time. Uh, having veterans who know how to play, they can teach your young stars how to win. It's it's massively important, and it is the my it is the major difference between Minnesota and Denver. Uh, if if Minnesota had signed Paul Millsap instead of trading for Jimmy Butler, and then like having that blow up in their faces, uh, they might be in a different position. They they might be a much better team. Um, 
Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into the rest of these Western Conference win projections. Nuggets numbers, Ryan Blackburn here, joined with Daniel Lewis. We're doing our Western Conference NBA win projections this year. Going to do this for the second segment, and then in the third segment, we will be talking more Nuggets-focused, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Okay, Dan, we've run through each of our 11 to 15 teams. The Rockets and the Pelicans are tied at 10 and 11 for you. Um, but you said that the Grizzlies are at nine for you. They're at 12 for me. So uh, give me, give me your Grizzlies expectation and, and why they they've separated themselves a little. Uh, I just believe in the greatness of Jean Morant. Um, I think he's going to be like a top 20 player in the league. Wow. Um, and I think that as he continues to just elevate his game, he'll pull the rest of the Grizzlies roster along with him. I like the addition of Justice Winslow, um, and I think this is a team that's just going to be able to kind of scrap and and figure out how to win games. Um, I like Jonas Valanciunas on that team um, as a, as a veteran that knows how how to win games, and I, I just think they're going to kind of just once Jaron Jackson gets back, I think they should have to be the ability to go on a nice run and just rack up a, a ton of wins and kind of. Um, scrap their way into the playoffs after that. Yeah. So they're, they're an interesting team in that. I I think they remind me of the trailblazers a little bit, Uh, kind of early, early trailblazers when Damian Lillard was just there and they didn't really have anything around him after LaMarcus Aldridge left. Uh, CJ McCollum was lucky. Like he, he stepped into that role and, and they got lucky with him. But before that, it looked like they were going to be out of the playoffs, and and they were an eight seed that year. But like, they they weren't anything special. Um, I I think that, like you said, if you trust John Morant, if you trust him to be an offense unto himself and and really drive winning there, then then that looks pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I trust him yet because like it's it's just so hard for me to trust a guy who's in his second year and and like his, his he's gonna have Kyle Anderson and. D'Anthony Melton around him and like uh, some of those guys are there talented, but like, are they starter caliber players? Like uh, and Brandon Dylan Clark. Brooks. You love Brandon uh, Clark. I, I love Brandon Clark. That is true. Uh, I still have my worries on, on whether like, I, I still have my worries about whether he can step into and immediately like be a starting caliber player. Like he was very good off the bench. Uh, I have less questions about him than I do. Uh, D'Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, though, and Dylan Brooks, Xavier, who like like Xavier is going to be their second Tillman, leading scorer. Sean, they got Xavier Tillman, they got Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, uh, Tyce <laughs> Jones. <laughs> it's draft There's Twitter. Sean McDermott. They're going to be a fun team. <laughs> they are going to be a fun team. I just don't know. Like like I think I trust. I think I trust the Wolves with uh, with Cat and D'Angelo Russell to finish higher than I do with the Grizzlies with John Morant. Uh, maybe that's wrong. Maybe, maybe I'll look like a, like an ass when after that pick, but you never know. Like it starts out very young and like, like you start to see superstars emerge when they're really young. And so if John Morant does take that superstar turn, then uh, it could be very different. Um, 
Let's talk about the Rockets. Uh, they added John Wall. They added Christian Wood. They added DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, but it still feels like this team is in limbo, given though we don't think that James Harden is going to be there, right? Uh, I, I don't. Even if he's there, I don't think he, he's going to be as productive as people have uh, gotten used to seeing. I think he's going to be checked out and just a real like cancer in the locker room. So I don't have a lot of hopes hopes for them. My I really picked that you know I picked them to finish thirty five wins, and that's more me thinking okay they're going to trade for, hit James Harden but by the trade deadline. And after that, they'll go on a small run um, and they'll be more exciting of a team in the second half of the season than they will be in the first half. Right. Um, I like it. I have them at 36 wins. Uh, I have them in ninth. I have the Pelicans in 10th. Like those teams are very similar to me uh, in terms of talent. Uh, But for various reasons, like they probably aren't going to maximize their potential uh, right now. Uh, James Harden being on the outs there is, is the major reason for the Rockets. But for the Pelicans, for me, it's uh, – actually, no, let's stick with the Rockets real quick because they did add Christian Wood, who's like a, a good player, like a really good player. Uh, and they're probably going to start him at center, and they're probably going to be pretty good when he's on the floor and when he's there with Harden. Like what if, what if they decide to keep Harden for the rest of the season? Like would would that drastically change your win, your win total? Uh. I mean, I'd probably put him at like 40 wins. Yeah. I'd give him a couple more wins, yeah. But I yeah. I just think if he stays there, he's just going to be so unhappy that uh, you're, you might get, you know, the 40-point triple doubles, but like the other team's going to be putting up 130 points, you know, so it won't yeah. matter very much. No, I'm with you. Like that, that team is not going to defend at all. Like trading Robert Covington, uh, PJ Tucker's in a contract year, but like he's also not super happy about being there right now. Uh, John Wall coming off of an injury, Demarcus Cousins coming off of an injury. A, like this, a, a injury is being generous. Yeah, towards yeah, ACL and Achilles. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the injury is probably the better way to describe an Achilles. Yeah. Uh, though Kevin Durant does look pretty, pretty freaking good. Uh, yeah, I, will, well, I will say that. John Wall also has, you know, notoriously been a fatty coming into training camp too. So who knows? Yeah, we'll, how we'll, we'll, we'll see how long how long that actually lasts. Um, but yeah, I have I have the the Rockets at thirty six. I have the Pelicans at thirty five wins. I have the Warriors at thirty seven wins. Uh, they're they're my eighth seed. Um, what what do you think of Steph Curry and the gang this year? I, I pegged them for thirty-seven wins as well, so same exact record. We're in lockstep, um, man. This is we're we're pretty similar, <laughs> other than the Wolves. Like this is this is pretty fascinating. But I I have them tied with the Suns at thirty-seven wins. Oh, okay. Um, so that's your seven and eight seed, the Suns and the Warriors. Um, I I I think Curry could have a, a a big season. It'll be interesting to see how things go without him having as much bench bench support and you know having clay thompson to play off as well i, th- I mean I, I think they're going to get a lot of production out of kelly Oubre and ken Bazemore, but at the end of the day they still have andrew wiggins out there and you know skinny Draymond green and they're going to be trying to incorporate a rookie center so 
that's that's going to be a, a bit of a challenge for them as throughout the, re- the regular season. Yeah, they're they're trying to sign Jeremy Lin uh, to a G League deal. They they got Brad Wanamaker from the from the Celtics as like another kind of bench playmaker. But this team overall, it it just it's very unremarkable. I think if you're betting on them to be a high seed, it really is just like you think that Steph is is 2016 Steph Curry, and and that version of Steph Curry probably does make this team a high seed in the West. But I'm not sure if that version exists anymore. Like it's hard to replicate that. And Steph is 32 and like, that's a, that's a really tough ask for somebody his size. Um, But you, you and I differ on the Suns. I have them at 41 wins, uh, which is for, for everybody. That's a, that's a 46, 47 win pace. Uh, we've, we've, we've done these wins with like 72 in mind, but, but if you like the wins per 82 on some of these is, is definitely higher. Um, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious why why you're a little bit lower on the Suns than I am, although it's it's not that lower. I think I think there's just going to be some growing pains as they get used to playing with um, Chris Paul. Um, yeah. I also feel like they're a team that uh, with some young players in key positions, if they get COVID, um, it could really wreck their depth um, and and make things really difficult for them. Um, yeah, I, I I know that they went eight zero in the bubble. I live in Phoenix. My in laws are Suns fans, but uh, I I don't know if their bench rotation is going to be quite as good as they're hoping it is. But um, I really like DeAndre, and I think that he has a, a really high ceiling, and he should have a really good year with Chris Paul. But um, I just think it's going to be hard for him to win more than forty games. Yeah, he's a, like if if. If DeAndre Ayton is on the fringes of the all-star consideration uh, in the front court, which I think he has the talent to be, uh, if he's on the fringe there, then I think that they're they're going to be really good. Uh, as it stands, I have them as a six seed. I think they're they are not the not the sexy pick, but they're they're the the trendy pick that everybody thinks is is in line for a big jump. Uh, just like given given the Chris Paul edition, given the progression of Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, guys like that. And they added Jay Crowder too. So like, I think that they're a lot more competent than they were before. They kind of remind me of the Nuggets in, in that way. I think they're also one of those teams where it's like other, other good teams in the, in the conference, especially are going to be like, Hey, people think you're an up and coming team. And now they're going to actually like pay attention and pay harder, play harder when they face off against them. Right. And, and it, I, I think that there is an element of surprise when you're a below the radar team because other teams aren't going to take you as seriously. But once you start getting attention and being like, hey, we're expecting you to make the playoffs, I think other teams will uh, play a lot harder when they uh, face off against them. Interesting. I, I, I tend to agree there. Uh, with Chris Paul, he's going to be the heel. So, like, everybody's everybody's going to want to play hard against Chris Paul. Um. Where do you have the Blazers? Uh, so one win better than the Suns and the Warriors at 38 and 34. Okay. So six in the West. Yeah, I have them at 39 wins. I have them at seven. I have the Suns at six with 41. Uh, this is where our discrepancies start to come in with the win totals. Like, I think I just have higher projected win totals in the West than I do the East. Um, 
Like, uh, actually, that's true. I said it at the beginning of this you, you podcast. Got, you've got 50 uh, <laughs> extra wins or something. <laughs> yeah. 40, 40, 40. Or 40, okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, uh, on average, it's about two and a half wins per team. Um, I I like the additions that the Blazers made, but I also think that they're flawed, given that their second and third best players are CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, man, freaking. Nurkic out there with do the curtains match the carpet hairstyle. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I can't it, stand that it, guy. He, it was it was a red mop of hair. It was a it was a it was a cabbage patch doll I, or something akin to that. Like it, it was just very Jake weird. Tall but fat. Like I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Oh man. Uh, Thirty-eight wins is pretty good though. I I do think that there's. I mean, you got Canner, who I understand why they brought him back. I really like Harry Giles. I think he's going to be a talented player who could have a really good season for him. Um, I mean, with Damian and CJ, though, they're, that's a 500 team, easy. So, um, you know, their, their defense, I think, is going to be a pretty bad the entire regular season. But right. there'll be some nights where, you know, Robert Covington is able to lock someone down and doesn't get into foul trouble. And, um, CJ, you know, CJ and Dame are able to combine for like 70 points and, you know, and they win. So that, that'll be nice for them. But that they, they definitely look and smell, uh, like a team that is going to have a pretty good regular season. They're going to, you know, have their all star and Damian Lillard. I'm sure he'll win a couple games for him, but then the playoffs will start and they'll get smoked in six games. Right. Yeah. It just, it, it definitely feels like that could be a thing. Um, They just don't match up well with anybody. Like in my opinion, it's just, it feels like everybody will have a, a reasonable guard defender who can check Damian Lillard or multiple, and then they could check both Lillard and McCollum. And then, the, the good teams will have a forward or a center that will outmatch their forward and center. Uh, so like they, they feel like a classic uh, solid first round exit uh, in my opinion, but we'll, we'll see what happens with them. Um, and for everybody at home, uh, I should have explained this at the beginning of the podcast. Again, the, the NBA is going with their 72 game season. So the, the average there for wins will be 36 and 36. So I have the Blazers at 39 and 33, which is a, a 44 win pace. It's it's better than average. Uh, so does Dan. Dan has them at 38 and 34. Uh, the numbers are going to look a little bit weird. They're they're going to look a little bit wonky, but I'll I'll explain the the wins per 82 uh, when we uh when we, as we climb up these standings. Um, I have the Jazz at five, at 44 and 28, which is a 50 win pace. Wow. Okay. I have them 41 and 31. So um, they're, they're my next team, but not a 50 win pace team. <laughs> there, there were a lot of good teams though. Like, like if looking at the, the standings from last year, let me see if I can pull them up really quickly. Um, like there, there are a lot of teams that I think definitely could meet that pace if, if they, so if they were able to. I'm just kind of counting on them um, having issues with COVID again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, hey. was patient zero for COVID in the NBA. Uh, the Stifle Tower couldn't wash his hands. So, you know, 
he was the one that brought COVID into the league. Um, I, I think that they're another team where it's like their depth is going to be tested throughout the season. They're, they're a good team, but um, that, I think that's what's going to hold them back from hitting that like 50 win pace like you were talking about. But yeah. again, like when they play teams like the Trailblazers or something, I expect them to win pretty easily. So just looking at the standings from last year, uh, they were at 44 and 28 last year uh, post bubble, uh, which, which is, is a 50 win pace. Uh, the two teams above them were OKC and Houston. And those teams are definitely not in there anymore. So I think that's where a lot of those extra wins are coming from is just that with, with the, with the couple of teams that are going to drop off, there are some teams that are, that are going to replace them with like Dallas. Dallas was already at 43 and 32. So like they were still pretty close in order in in that pace, but like I tend to think that that there are going to be some higher win totals in the West than than we we really foresee. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if uh if a team like that like Utah that they just signed Rudy Gobert to that supermax deal, they signed Derek Favors, brought him back. They should get back a healthy boy on Bogdanovich. Like they should be good or better. Uh, given the the players that they added, like Tony Bradley and and Ed Davis were their backup center last year. Now they have Derek Favors, right? Oof, yeah, they've upgraded there. <laughs> yeah, um, so we'll we'll see if they if that ultimately is what happens. But I I have them at fifth. I have them, um, like I for for all intents and purposes, I have them fifth in the West. Uh, you have them fifth in the West as well. Mm-hmm. Who do you have fourth? The Clippers. Interesting. Okay, I had them third. Uh, what do you, what do you have their win total at? Forty three and twenty nine. Man, that is so low. <laughs> <laughs> this is see, this is where our discrepancies are coming from, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, the Clippers are forty three and twenty seven, or forty three and, and tw- twenty nine. Is that what it is? Twenty nine. Yep. Forty three okay. and twenty nine. Man, that is that is pretty low. Uh, okay, explain. Explain. What? Why are you low on the Clippers? Well, they're, I mean, their Vegas over under is 46 and a half. So I've only got them three games below that. Um, yeah. But I, I just think that they're going to have issues with Kawhi having to rest during the season. You know, makes it difficult for them to win games. They don't have that reliable pick and roll combo off the bench in Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. I, right. I think Serge Ibaka is a great addition for them in the postseason. But again, in the, in the regular season, I, I don't know how hard they're going to be going. Um, you know, Tylee was sitting right next to Doc Rivers on the bench. It's not like, you know, they're going to be getting a bunch of new novel ideas coming at them from the coaching staff. Yeah, it's not like the um, culture think, has changed either. Like, like they I still think, have the same guys who are establishing a poor culture, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Luke Kennard, but like they are what they are. Right? This is a team that's loaded up for the postseason and they're going to be some nights where they're just like, why do we care? Like, we're tired. We're not playing hard. And, uh, but then there will be nights where they're like, you know, like I was talking about with that target on, it's like, hey, we're playing Phoenix. We're not losing to these guys. And yeah. they're going to, you know, engage their playoff intensity, flip on that switch and just like, just destroy teams. Um, but then, you know, like a, a team like Memphis is going to be like, oh, guys, it's, it's a Wednesday night. We just got back from a road trip. Again, and this is me 
just shooting off the hip because I haven't looked at their full schedule. But like, you know, playing against a team like Memphis, or they're like, why, man, why are these guys playing so hard? You know, yeah. or a, a game like against the Kings where it's like, ugh, Buddy Hill just made five three pointers. What the heck? Uh, we're they, done. You know, like, yeah, and they I, they I, just lose those kind of games. I could see them definitely having some nugget syndrome where where they were in the playoffs last year. Uh, they they had a tough loss in the playoffs. That's what they're thinking about. They don't really care about the regular season. They just want to get back to the playoffs. And like the Nuggets learned that okay, I guess you can do that. You can kind of sleepwalk through the regular season and still get to the playoffs, like and and be okay. Uh, but Denver also had a a nice foundation to build off of. And I, I still I still wonder about the Clippers and whether Kawhi and Paul George is that group. Uh, do you like their point guard situation? Like. Patrick Beverly, I guess they could slide Luke Kennard and Lou Williams over there, I guess. But, like, it's really Pat Bev, and that's the only guy I can, like, think of as trustworthy. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, they're going to ask Kawhi to do a lot of point guard responsibilities, but they seem like a team that's definitely going to be able to pick up, uh, you know, a a veteran on the buyout market around the trade deadline, and that should give them a, a little bit of relief as well. Reggie Jackson is their second team point guard. Um, don't tell yeah, him that. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I just, I don't get it. I, I really don't. Uh, but he whatever. Probably, he, he's out here probably thinking like, okay, so they got me, Kawhi, and Paul George. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's going to get the most don't shots? Don't matter beyond right? that. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Hey, am I getting the second most amount of shots or the third most amount of shots? Let's, uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's a bad situation waiting to happen. Okay, so you had them fourth. Who do you have them? Who do you have third? Uh, third, third, third. The Dallas Mavericks. Okay, so I have those two teams switched. Uh, I have the I have the Mavericks at forty five and twenty seven, and I have the Clippers at forty eight and twenty four. I also um, have the Mavericks at forty five and twenty seven. Okay. Okay, so you're, we're just we're just differentiating on the Clippers. So I think they'll be better. Like their baseline is just so like, like they have a lot of talents in their starting unit, and when that starting unit plays, they're going to be awesome. Um, but like, expl- explain the Mavericks to me because I, I I obviously I tend to agree with you. Like like forty five and twenty seven sounds pretty good, but what about it? I just think Luca's going to have like a top three MVP season. Um, I, I I like Tim Hardaway. Um, being able to shoot off of Luca's passes. Um, I like Maxi Kleber. Um, I like Josh Richardson a lot for them as well to kind of give them a boost on their perimeter defense. And Rick Carlisle's probably like the top three coach in the NBA. So I think having him at the, at the helm is really going to help. They also seem like a team that just going to be like, they're going to take things seriously a lot of times and be like, "Hey, like this is our this is our year. We're going to make our mark." You know, Luca's playing out of his mind, and this is going to be our year. And uh, I, th- I think that kind of an attitude and approach towards the regular season is going to help him pick up a lot of wins. Yeah, without a without Chris Stapps for the beginning of the season, I had to bump them down a few wins. But like they, based off of their their point differential this past year, like they they had the best offense in league history. Uh, like they they have a lot of talent, and I think if you're if you're looking at the uh, at across the NBA at the realistic players to add 
next to Luka Doncic that should raise their ceiling. Josh Richardson is probably one of those guys long-term where he is that defensive point guard and offensive shooting guard, uh, kind of playing off ball, uh, but guards all of the players that you can't have Luka guard or, or don't want Luka to guard consistently. Um, I like the way that they fit together. And, and like you said, Maxi Kleba makes sense, especially in the modern NBA. Uh, I'm not sure if I trust Dwight Powell and I'm not sure if I trust Chris Apps Porzingis to stay healthy, but I have them at 45 and 27, obviously like it, it's 51 win pace. Like it seems, seems pretty good. I think Luca is going to be what Harden used to be. So you get a player like that and that that's going to keep you in the top half uh, of the playoff standings. Yeah, it's a good call. It, it definitely is a good call. Um, okay. I have the Los Angeles Lakers at number two. Um, oh my gosh. Do you have the Los Angeles Lakers at two? No, I have the Nuggets at two at 47 and 25. Okay. So this is my, this is my big prediction for the year. Uh, I think that the Nuggets are going to shred this off season or this, this regular season. Uh, I have them at 51 and 21, <laughs> which is a 58 win pace. Oh I have gosh. I have Jokic going for MVP, and I have Denver being the top seed in the West. Uh, I have Jamal Murray uh, being a second All Star, and I think when you when you add all of those factors together, like we've seen Jokic perform really well in this preseason, like he just looks so physically ready and locked in. Um, if you think that Murray is going to be a second All Star on this team and you like the talent that they have, like they added more talent than they had last year. Like I I don't think anybody would disagree if I told them that, Hey, more minutes for Michael Porter jr. Offsets the loss of Torrey Craig. And then Jamichael green and Jeremy Grant in the regular season, at least is kind of a wash. Um, I think that this team is going to kill it. Uh, But let's talk about the Lakers first, because I think that that's, that's the story here. I have them at 49 and 23. Uh, one win above the Clippers at 48 and 24. Uh, the Lakers are going to be good, like like very, very, very good. And I just think that LeBron is going to rest more than, and that's why I don't have them winning the the top seed in the West. Uh, I, I can understand that line of thinking. I just think that even if LeBron's resting, you still have Anthony Davis, who's a top five player in the league. Uh, and I just see them destroying teams a lot of nights. <laughs> But Dennis Schroeder, um, I mean, KCP's played a lot better. They've got uh, that white kid, Alex Caruso. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've got nice. <laughs> I mean, I, Kyle Kuzma on extension. Um, I, I just think they're going to be really, really hard to beat most nights. We didn't hey, even talk about right. Marcus Morris with the Clippers. Uh, yeah, man. I mean... Is is there anything worth talking dollars. about there? You know, Luke Kennard just signed. Luke Kennard just signed today at sixty four million as well. That's well, great for them. Great for the Clippers. <laughs> Nothing like giving three hundred twenty million dollars to playoff P. Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris. Well done. Good lord, bravo! That's that's right. They did do that. Holy cow! Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Um, Okay, well, yeah, that's a, that's a thing that happened. Uh, the Lakers, I think you're right. I think they're going to be a, a good regular season team. Like, they're going to be actually, honestly, a great regular season team. I just think that 
I need to see them play together with Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell. Like, they're they're all those combinations are going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be elite. Uh, I think the Gasol. Uh, the Gasol AD pairing is going to be elite, especially when paired with LeBron. Um, and they have a lot of great combinations that they could go to, but I, I still don't trust a lot of their, their residual pieces to be consistent every single night. And they'll, they'll get caught on, on some nights where they don't really care when LeBron is coasting or when Davis is coasting or like Davis is, is like, he turns his ankles all the time. Like, like it's very possible that they don't get, through the season with a full season of Anthony Davis. Um, That's kind of where I'm hedging my bet there. Like, I just, I don't think that they keep up the top number one seed pace both seasons in a row. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis ever since he's gotten to Los Angeles has been one of those players that he can get hurt, but he keeps playing. Whereas in New Orleans, he got hurt and he was out. Ah, my back three days out. You know, (laughs) he does that a lot. Uh, well, we'll see what happens there. Um, do you have them uh, winning the title again? I do. Yep. I do too. Uh, Nuggets fans won't, won't like hearing that, but I think it's like they, they are that good. And and could the Nuggets approach beating them? Maybe. Yeah. It, I, could, I could see them beating them in a playoff series, but it would take a lot. And I think that the Nuggets are going to be the better regular season team, but the Lakers will be the better playoff team. Uh, when you have LeBron James, that's it's understandable. Yeah, I mean, LeBron just does not lose in the playoffs. So good luck whoever faces him. Yeah. Um, okay, so what, what totals did you have for the Lakers and the Nuggets? Uh, let me go back. Um, for the Nuggets, 47-25. For the Lakers, 51-21. Okay. For the Lakers, I had 49 and 23. And for the Nuggets, I had 51 and 21. Uh, let's talk about the Nuggets on the other side, though, because I think we're we're gonna get into some more depth there. And and I'll talk about why I think they're gonna they're gonna break out. We'll be right back. Final segment, Nuggets numbers, having a good time with Daniel Lewis, doing this over podcast as opposed to doing it in a written article. But make sure to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, really appreciate everybody that, that leaves a rating. Uh, if you send a screenshot of your of your review, I will DM you or I'll, I'll Venmo you a, a small sum of money. How about that? Uh, Christmas miracles. Uh, okay, so I have the Nuggets of 51 and 21. You have the Nuggets at 47 and 25. 47 to 25 is around a 53 win pace. And uh for the Nuggets, 51 and 21 is about a 58 win pace. So like we're we're not that far off in terms of where we see this team. Um I just think that they're ultimately gonna get over the top. Like I see, I see Jokic and Murray. I see them the winning the games on the margins, and then they're gonna win more of the the games that they didn't used to care about because there's a lot more urgency with, with Michael Porter jr. Like he's going to want to get his on a more consistent basis. And they also just have a better bench in general. You, you, we all saw him take that pull up three pointer. He's definitely hungry. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's very hungry. He wants uh, he wants as many shots as possible while, while he can get it, but in a good way. Like I, I don't when he, when he hunts his shots, like he he just knows that he's very good. I don't see it as a selfish act, if you know what I mean. Like he just like he he feels like that's the the right play in that particular moment. I mean, that uh, three pointer was pretty egregious. Like. <laughs> There's 20 was, seconds left on the shot clock, but like, uh, yeah, I, I dropped that screenshot in the group chat and it was, uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, like there's, there's me like, yeah, I know I can make this. And then there's like, you should never shoot that again. And if you do, you're sitting the rest of the game. <laughs> like, yeah, come on, man. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen this year with Malone. Uh, if, if Porter does in fact come off the bench to start the season, which I think he might, uh, if he starts jacking up from 28, uh, in a regular season match, then then like I think I think it could be, it could be a short lived bench stint, and they they might he, bench him for a little bit. He pulls up from thirty feet against the Kings, and Malone's gonna freak out on him. <laughs> See, <that laughs> what if he the makes game of the season? What <laughs> if he makes it though? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, okay. Uh, Malone okay. Only so has so much hair. Got to respect the coach. He he's brought it back. It, it looks good now. Like he he's he's done a good job of bringing that thing back. Uh, okay, we both have them as top two seed. Like they'll if if they do reach a top two seed status, then they'll play one of the teams that made the play in game or that that was in the play in from seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, regardless of who it is, uh, I think that they'll be good. I think they'll be able to advance past any of those teams. Uh, but let's let's talk more regular season questions first because we're going to release an article on Denver Stiffs on Wednesday that's going to have all of these in depth. They're going to have different different questions associated with the Nuggets, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have a good time with it. But I want to get your takes on here. Uh, we we did a, a variety of them, but I want to I want to hear about your breakout player. Who do you think is on the Nuggets is is considered the the breakout player of the team? Oh, let me make sure it lines up with what I wrote down. Uh, PJ Dozier. I love it. PJ Dozier. Former Gamecock. That's why you love it. Um, But (laughs) true. I I just, I think that Dozier just had a really great um, preseason. He's got just a a really great opportunity right now to, to get some minutes in off the bench. Um, I I think it's going to be hard with Faku Kundo Campazo uh, with with MPJ and Barton having to get minutes off the bench, but I mean he he fits in so well as either like a defensive two guard or defensive three. Um, I, I just see him getting a ton of minutes. I, I think that this could be one of those seasons where we're like, dang, PJ Dozier, like the Nuggets did it again, kind of a, a player. I feel that, and and I I, I really love the pick because he does remind me of Will Barton in so many different ways. Uh, I, I released a 10 bold predictions article today on stiffs. And one of my bold predictions was that I think he'll become a mainstay in the rotation by the end of the year. Uh, right now, it doesn't look like he's going to be right now. I kind of see him as the 11th man behind Compasso, behind Morris, behind Barton Porter, whoever they want to put out there. But like, I think that they'll find time to free, to free some minutes for him to get him a, a permanent spot or maybe he just takes Compazzo's spot or Morris's spot or something like that. He just has this, this versatile ability uh, to impact the game in so many different ways. 
as a ball handler, as a transition passer, as a shooter, as a slasher, as a defender. Uh, he could make a, a he could take a charge. He could grab a key rebound. Like he just he seems like a player who is in the right place at the right time most of the time. Yeah, he he just has a knack for the ball and seems like he's always making the right play. I, I do not mind him filling the Tory Craig um, pull in case of an emergency rotation piece. Oh, yeah. I think he's so much more versatile than Craig and he might actually be a better defensive player. He's just so he's so smart. He may not be like as physical, but he's such a smart defender being in the right position every single time. Uh, I have MPJ for this topic. I think that that one wasn't really hard for me just because I think that Porter's going to average like 20 points per game, whether it's off the bench or in the starting lineup. Uh, they're going to figure it out with him and he's going to be impactful. Um, might even win most improved player. So that would be that would be an interesting one. Uh, yeah. Who do you have as the letdown player? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Oh, um, oh that's, a, that's a drastic <laughs> difference from what I have. Uh, explain. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that my opinion is entirely based off of that pull-up jumper that he pulled, uh, with with 20 (laughs) seconds left on the shot clock, but it just made me think like, you know, I think he has so much expectations for himself for the season and fans have so much, so many expectations for him this season. I think that that we're just going to be let down if you, if that's the, the kind of position you're in where you're just like, oh my gosh. He's their third all-star. He's a guaranteed starter. Uh, he, he's going to be averaging like 25 points a game, just uh, dunking, playing defense, shooting threes, doing everything. Like, I, I think that it's going to be a little bit slower of a journey for him. He's going to have some nights where Malone rides him just really hard because he makes a mistake. And it's up to MPJ to realize that that's, that is for the best. Um, I, I think there's going to be some tough spots where he's like, okay, here's, here's how I play as a rotation part with a responsibility with a, a role on offense, a role on defense, and just kind of figuring out how he needs to fill those two things is going to be part of the journey of this season for him. He kind of reminds me of Jason Tatum in that regard, where Tatum had a really big breakout against LeBron James in the playoffs. Um, in, in his rookie season and then sophomore season comes around and he's just kind of like, he's, he doesn't really look like he's improved. He's actually regressed. Uh, Kyrie Irving's yelling at people. Uh, the culture there isn't great. They lose in the second round to the, to the bucks. But then in the third season is when the breakout actually happens. So uh, with Porter, like this, this past year would constitute his rookie year. And then this year would be the, the expectations late in sophomore year. I could definitely see it. I, there, there is definitely a world, and and maybe several of them, where where Porter disappoints. Um, I don't think he that will. That, that doesn't mean that he won't be valuable and won't be a contributor. I just think everyone's going to be like, "Oh, we we had so much higher hopes for you. Like, what a letdown." Yeah, like like instead of instead of averaging twenty and ten, he's averaging fifteen and eight, and it's on average efficiency as opposed to elite efficiency or something like that. Like 15 and eight is still a valuable player, <laughs> like, like especially with the type of shots that he were to take. So uh, I'm with you there. Like, I, I think there, there is some potential for that. I, I do understand it. Um, my break or uh, my, my letdown player, excuse me, is bull bull. 
I think he's going to be on the MPJ track this this year, and like he'll if the first season like they're they're just not going to be able to find time for him. Uh, Jamichael Green was brought in here to play. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein <laughs> he looks really good. Uh, Will Barton, if he's not starting, is going to come off the bench and be that three. Um, I don't see a lot of time for Bull Bull on a consistent play on a consistent basis. So, it, do you see more time for him than I do? I, I don't. And to be honest, even if those players weren't blocking him, I I don't think Bull should be playing. Um, I, I didn't let put, choose him as a letdown player because you can't be disappointed by someone who you didn't have any expectations for. You know. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think Bull has a, a really long ways to go still until he can be a a rotation player, uh, not a starter, not like a key man off the bench. I'm talking about like a ninth or tenth guy. Um, th- there definitely are tools there, but he just has like so much that he needs to figure out mentally. Um, I, I doubt that he is going to get that opportunity to figure it out this year. Yeah being able to work through those issues on the fly. Like I, I think that his strength or lack thereof is going to really impact him, especially early in his career. He'll eventually figure it out. I hope. Um, but if he, if, and if he does, he's going to be a great player, but right now he he's, he gets pushed around when he's under the rim and he can't just be an entirely perimeter big. Like he has to be able to bang. He has to be able to do some stuff. Um, okay. Next one is the player that's most likely to be traded. I actually, I'll, I'll start on this one. I Go have, ahead. I have Will Barton getting traded uh, or not, not getting traded. He's most likely to be traded just because I think that this is a situation where if he act like if he's in a contract year, which he is, he's got a player option for the 2021 season. Uh, the Nuggets have mainstays with Jokic, Harris, Millsap and, and uh, Jokic, uh, Murray, Harris, Millsap, Jokic, excuse me. Good Lord. Yep. Uh, that if they want Porter to get into the team to get into the game and they don't want to compromise their defense, Barton is the spot that they have to replace. Uh, I think that they can do that. And if Will Barton is willing to go to the bench, then they could do that. But if he's not willing to go to the bench, then they they will make a move. Like that's this is this is something where they they know it's important for their team and they know it's important for their future. So they like. Will Barton is not going to stand in the way of Michael Porter Jr.'s development. Yeah. Um, I, I put down Bull Bull um, just as a, a player that is on a really affordable contract and could net the Nuggets uh, a decent role player in return. Um, I don't think they want to trade Will Barton or Gary Harris. Or I don't think Jamal they want Murray. to trade. I don't think they want to trade any of those top guys. Like I, th- I think in an ideal world, you want all of those guys to contribute to a championship because they're all very good. Right, and you know the Nuggets, they just they're trying to stockpile good players. So I, I, I just don't see them um, moving someone like Will Barton or Gary Harris this year, or yeah. Paul Millsap, who can't be traded. Given that they added RJ Hampton, given that they added Zeke Naji, like I, I could definitely see them moving Bull Bull. If he did show some tools, if he did show some abilities, then maybe you pair him with something else and you can get a an upgrade at a position, or you could get a first round pick or something else that that makes more sense uh, for for this roster. But I I would lo- like I really liked what I saw from the uh, from the Porter Bull minutes in in the preseason. 
uh, given that they're both so long and athletic and skilled that if you can throw those guys out there, maybe not every night, but throw them out there on occasion, they could really blitz teams like, like we did see against the Blazers where the Blazers just had zero answer for that tandem. Yep. Um, okay. What is next? Uh, the rookie you are most excited to see. I actually know what you're going to say on this one. And it's funny that everybody has the same answer. Uh, actually. Oh no, we have, we have rookie that gets the most minutes. Who's the rookie that you're most excited to see. Oh, that's, that's, oh, different. that's that is different. I think the rookie that gets most minutes, everyone has the same answer. It's Faku just because yeah. Malone loves him and he's, he's, he's an old rookie. So he's going to be in the rotation. <laughs> Malone but might give the, his left arm in order to give Faku Composite some minutes this year. Like he, he loves I, the dude so much. He, he really does. <laughs> but the, the rookie that I'm most excited for on the roster is, is RJ Hampton. Uh, yeah. I, I'm actually been getting some like Trey Lyles vibes from Zeke Naji, which is fine. But uh, I mean, we you all kind of know how that yeah, turns out. I can see that. But like, I, I also see that Zeke Naji really has his head screwed on. Right. And like, like, there, there was a time where Trey Lyles was was uh, complaining about three-hour jazz practices. That's one of the reasons why he was moved. Zeke <laughs> uh, yeah. Nashis, he's not going to do that. I, I, I'm not saying, like, everything reminds me of that. But, like, when I was watching him pull up from, from distance, I was like, dang, I recognize that set shot. That's a big dude shooting. <laughs> like, but True. anyway, RJ Hampton has so many tantalizing tools for a rookie – or, sorry, for a point guard – um, he, he's so quick. He's so explosive. He's got great length. He's so young. I don't think he's finished growing. And if he turns into like a six, seven explosive guard, like we're not talking about a point guard of the future. We're talking about like a, a, you know, primary secondary ball handler who just plays off ball and can play on ball. Um, but it's just a terror on defense Pair and transition, um, and it's a kind of player that I mean, like, like Ty Lawson, but add eight inches. Like, sign me up for some of that. He he really did show some incredible athleticism in in that final preseason. He he had one play where he sped down the court so fast in transition, uh, like like just doing stuff that you, you can't really teach at all. Um, I like it. I think he more projects as like a combo guard off the bench, but if he, if he's just so talented that you can, you can put him into the starting lineup and just have team shred. Like, I hope that they continue to develop his defense. Like if, if he can stay on the court defensively and then use that athleticism in the open floor, uh, maybe he's the one who's sprinting down the floor as opposed to Gary Harris and transition on the, on the outlet passes from Jokic. Then like, I could definitely see it with him. Uh, like he, yeah, he he's got like Zach Levine athleticism, right? Like, oh yeah. Imagine you know, imagine how good Zach Levine would be, you know, like you're saying in transition and playing in the half court uh, with with Jokic. Um, I mean, Hampton's jumper still has a lot of work, but I mean, so the Levines when he first came in the league, he was he was just this really raw athlete, and they have similar like height profiles. And if I'm, um, if you can add a jump shot to, to RJ Hampton's game, he just has so much, many physical tools. He's going to be impossible to stop on offense. 
Yeah. And he seems like a player that will do it too. Like, like Zach Levine, his questions were jump shot related when he came into the league, there was no athleticism questions with him. And then he developed a jump shot and then he extended his three point range and he transitioned from a whole bunch of mid range shots to more three point shots. And suddenly you've got Zach Levine averaging 24 points per game on, on great efficiency. Uh, he may not be winning teams games by himself, but he's the first option on the bulls. Like if you were the third or fourth option on the nuggets, like you're, you're, you're in a great spot. So I, I kind of love that. I think that's, that's an interesting pick and he'll, he'll be my pick too for, for this case. Like, I, I like what I've seen, although I will say Zeke Naji, I do like the uh, I like what he brings as like a bench center, a bench center shooter uh, because he's so functional, like wherever he stands, he's a threat to shoot, whether it's in the mid range, whether it's in the corner, whether it's above the break. Like if he has a shot chart that looks a lot like Myers Leonard or somebody akin to that, that's a very helpful player. And I think he'll be a better defender. Like he he's shown a lot more athleticism than I thought he had. I mean, You've watched Trey Lyles on the Spurs, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what you're talking about right now. Uh, man, yeah, I and I don't like it. Uh, so, I yeah, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Sorry, to, um, sorry to sour that taste <laughs> for you, but I mean, I, I, I do think that Lyles or not Lyles, gosh, that, that Najee has the tools to be a good player. I mean, that that's why the Nuggets traded for Lyles is because they were they were looking at like, hey, this can be a really productive guy for us. And I, I think, like you're saying, Najee's got his head in, in a better place. But, I mean, Najee seems like a, a, a pretty solid floor, you know, a pretty reliable floor player. I, it doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but you know what you're going to be getting from him, and, and he, he has a lot of value. Yeah, I like that. I think Denver has so many ceiling players that adding a player with a high floor made a lot of sense for them. And maybe Zeke Najee's ceiling is, is higher than we're giving it credit for. I don't know. But we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, okay, your leading scorer for the Denver Nuggets in the 2020-21 season is? Uh, leading scorer, Murray. 24 points a game. Man, that's a high number. That's a, that's a big jump from, from where he was. I, I just I think he realized that he has the tools to carry the offense that Jokic is perfectly willing to have him do so. Um, and I, I think if he learned, if he's learned that by getting to the free throw line, he can get easy points. I think 24 points is achievable for him pretty, pretty comfortably. So one of the reasons why I don't have a higher number for him, I do have Murray as well. I have him at 21 uh, points per game. It's because I think Denver's too good. I think they're in a position where they aren't going to have to stagger Jokic and Murray as much in this season because they have multiple point guards coming off the bench because they have Michael Porter Jr. And Will Barton, one of them is going to come off the bench in all likelihood. Uh, Everybody's capable. And if, if the bench is really good and they don't need Murray necessarily to, to kind of survive, then you're going to have Murray operating as the first or second option next to Jokic. And when you have that, uh, Obviously, Jokic and the way that he plays, it's going to distribute the ball around everywhere. And he does a great job of that. Murray might be the tip of the spear there, but but Jokic is kind of the brain. And, and he'll distribute the ball where it needs to go. So I think that Murray is in line for a leap. I think his numbers are going to be better. I think his three-point percentage is going to jump. It was at 34.5% this past year. 
And like, I think he's a 40% shooter. Like I really do. Um, if he gets up to that threshold consistently and he doesn't have as many games where he only scores like 10 points, then I think he's going to be in a, in a really good spot where he is consistently at that 20 to 25 point threshold. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Um, do you, do you think that Murray would score more points if he was with Porter or with Barton in the starting lineup? Uh, um, I'm going to go with, with Barton. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think MPG um, is just going to demand more shots. See, I, I go the other way. I, I think that he would demand more shots in all likelihood, but he's also going to not be the, the main playmaker and creator. Uh, Barton, when he has the ball in his hands, he can operate as a pseudo point guard. And, and that takes the ball out of Murray's hands a lot more frequently. So like when, when Porter gets the ball, he's just going to shoot. But like he might actually use less possessions overall than a guy like Barton. So I'm 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 it's 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 twisting hairs or it's it's pulling hairs there or like like whatever whatever the phrase is I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, final question before we head out of here. I know I've taken up way too much of your time. Um, how do you see the season ending for the Nuggets? You you had them as the two seed. I had them as the one seed. Uh, how do you see the season finishing? Uh, unfortunately, losing in the conference finals to the Los Angeles Lakers once again. I think. Yeah. It's. I. I don't think they've figured out how they're going to be able to beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. Uh, LeBron's too good. I think Davis is too good. Um, and then the other pieces just kind of add up to to make it so that the Lakers are hard to beat. Um, that's who I have. That's where I have them finishing the season. Do you think the Lakers are better or worse in the postseason than they were last year? I think they're better. You think you do you trust Gasol more than you trust Dwight Howard to uh to be an impactful player every single night? I do, and I I also really like Dennis Schroeder. I think he gives him a, a huge boost over Ray John Rondo. And I think having Markeith Morris, I yeah, think, so. will help stabilize their bench um, alongside Kuzma. Yeah, they got Trez as well. Um, having him as kind of that backup center option, like he'll he'll get them some points. Uh, but when you have LeBron and you have AD, it really gives you the option to use everybody the way that they need to be used, and it could be putting Marcus all in there for 15 minutes, but those 15 are the most possible, the most potential to be productive that they, they have in that situation. Uh, same thing with Trez, same thing with uh, Alex Caruso and Dennis Schroeder and guys like that. Uh, I have the Nuggets losing to the Lakers in six games in the Western conference finals. So uh, sounds like you have about the same. Mm-hmm. Six yeah, games. Too bad. But like it is what it is. Like the Nuggets, if, if they were to make the Western Conference Finals back to back and lose to the eventual NBA champions both times, like doesn't isn't that the ultimate sign of respect that that even though you weren't the NBA champion, like you still were at you went as far as you could possibly go after having lost to the NBA champions? I mean, I, I still take that. I I still remember the two thousand nine team that made the conference finals. You know, yeah. and making back-to-back conference finals, that'd be really, really big for the Nuggets. 
it's when was the last time they actually advanced past the second round or to the second round in back-to-back years? Like I, I kind of want to go look it up, but I'm, I'm not going to, but somebody send it to me. Like if you, if you've reached this point of the podcast, uh, when was the last time the nuggets made it to back-to-back second rounders uh, in terms of the playoffs? Like, cause it, it has to be a while. Um, it they, wasn't they, under Brian Shaw. <laughs> it was not under Brian Shaw. It was not under a uh, Bernie Bickerstaff. Uh, anybody like that. So we're in a good spot now. Um, well, man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, win, win projections, kind of kind of a crazy exercise, but had a good time with it. I just love the West a lot, lot more than than a lot of people. Uh, what else do you want to talk about before we head out? Well, thank you for not talking about James Harden. I really appreciate that. <laughs> There was a report that came out about James Harden to the Nuggets. Uh, I I don't feel like talking about it. I, I never do. Like, I just, I can't even fathom James Harden and rooting for that dude. Like, sorry. If, if I wanted to see a pile of crap, I would just change my kid's diaper. <laughs> You've He's done a lot terrible. of that lately, haven't you? Yeah, I have done a lot of that lately. And they're pretty oh, bad. They're but pretty bad. I mean, I... I don't want James Harden on the Nuggets. I don't care if their win total increases. They're not going to beat the Lakers. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned this to you, but, like, the Nuggets trade their alcoholics to the Rockets. They don't trade for them Oof. from the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You did say that. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Ty Lawson was the player that that got me into Nuggets fandom. Like it was, it was, it was fun to watch the Nuggets and 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 with Melo and Chauncey and the 0-9 team. But it was really Ty Lawson and just his his ability to uh, to navigate the lane and just be a, a boss at five ten. Like he was, uh, he was mean, great. I'll probably watch his uh, record setting NBA three pointing three point make highlight video after we finish this. I mean, he, oh, that's a good one. He's a lot I, of fun. <laughs> I love that one. Oh man. Good times. All right, man. Well, thank you for hopping on with me. I always appreciate talking to you about this subject. You, you, you and I seem to do pretty well on this. I'll, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to our, our article after, uh, from last year and we can grade ourselves on, on what our, what our picks would have looked like. I think that's uh, a, well, that's always a fun one. COVID kind of ruined pen, everything. But the like, COVID, ru- COVID ruined everything. <laughs> actually, I and you really... know what? Yeah. Like, like the nuggets were on a 54 win pace or so. Uh, before the pandemic or be- yeah, before COVID and then the bubble, they went three and five because they didn't try. So like they would have maintained their pace. Like had they tried. <laughs> yeah. I-, I did pretty good last year in unders. I think I was on pace to go 18 and 12, which had been like a really great year, but yeah, we'll see how I do again this year. It's pretty good, man. Um, all right. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to have a chicken nuggets podcast tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna we if you if you're listening to this then on Tuesday there will be a big NBA predictions column from the staff that will be dropped so gonna have a lot of fun with it but everybody thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys very soon.